So, John, how's how's the weather in Abu Dhabi? Oh man, it's just beautiful this time of year. From what I've heard, I wish it, I I, I w- both wish I was I I was with them over in Abu Dhabi, but I'm also very glad to be back here watching from afar. Yeah, no doubt. So the Wolves are in Abu Dhabi. We're going to talk about all the developments going on with them right now. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to our many sponsors, including TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Tony Hoagland, that's my state farm agent, Manscaped. And we're going to tell you, just a reminder, October 13th, we're going to do our traditional, uh, very popular John Krasinski kickoff show. Headflyer Brewing, October 13th, 7 p.m. Uh, we had brought a lot of people out last year. It was a blast. Uh, I think this team's probably going to be better than last year's team, so I hope we get a similar turnout. It was just so much fun to be out there. Come out and join us. So let, let's get to, uh, you know, we haven't talked since they had media day, and you and I were talking off the air. It sounds like they are really emphasizing defense. Now, a lot of people talk about it. How are they actually going to implement being a better defensive team? Yeah, it's I yeah, I know you're right, Jim. Like so many teams this time of year when they're kind of unfurling their plans for the season, say we have to be committed to the defensive end. I will just say that in talking to players and coaches both on media day and then for several days of training camp before they left for Abu Dhabi, I think it's more than just talk with this group. Um, Chris Finch, you know, I, I asked him right before they left, just said, you does this team have to be a defense first team? And he said, absolutely. It has to be because that's the personnel that we have. And so, you know, on the face of it, you would look at this team and you'd say, well, you have Anthony Edwards, you have Carl Anthony Towns, two of the most dynamic offensive players in the league. And, and how do you kind of get them going and get them in an offensive rhythm and be difficult to match up with? That way, Rudy Gobert is one of the most efficient offensive players of all time. Like, it, the, the, so that should all speak to a team that can score a lot of points, and they probably can. But I think that when they look at the strengths and the weaknesses of this group, and how to best maximize the talent that they have, it's Rudy Gobert in the middle, defending the rim, protecting the rim. It's Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards out on the perimeter, hounding guards and making things difficult for them and creating turnovers. It's Mike Conley being in the right spot. You have Nikhil Alexander-Walker as a really good defensive player. They just have a lot of guys who can be elite defensive contributors. And so I think that it is them trying to embrace the highest upside of their group. And that is, and can be on the defensive end. Um, And it also is an acknowledgement that, you know what? The offensive part of this is probably going to be a work in progress for a while, trying to figure out the spacing with Towns and Edwards and Gobert, trying to kind of come up with the right mix of structure and, um, chaos and free flow that that Finch likes um to to just kind of uh generate early and easy offense that's all going to be kind of uh you know it, it's just going to take time for everyone to find things and find a chemistry and gel that way but on defense it should come together much more quickly and much e- more more easily and so i think that's why they're leaning in to the defensive side of the court 
a lot more this season and really just trying to embrace all of the playmakers they have um, in that aspect of the game. And one of the constant criticisms of Towns is that he's not a great defender. Put it in perspective to me, how how good or not good is he as a defender? What are his strengths and weaknesses, and how could he help with this group? Yeah, so, I mean, certainly when you look at the starting five, uh, he is the weakest defender of the group, especially because he's playing, going to be playing power forward with that group. And um, I am of the mind that, for much of his career, I have thought that Towns is has been a, a, a solid defender. Sometimes, yeah, he fouls too much, um, complains to the refs too much, and there have been times where he's been out of position defensively. And so you cannot say he's a good defender um, at all, but I don't think he's been a terrible defender. Um, but so... So now going forward to what they have right now, I think that his biggest challenge, and he spoke about this on media day, is learning how to defend smaller power forwards out on the perimeter who are catching and shooting threes, who can put the ball on the floor a little bit, who can run a little bit of pick and roll. He's got to be more mobile um, than he ever has been before as a center playing defense. Um, But, Chris Finch can do some things to mitigate that. And what we did see in the Denver series, especially later in the series, is you saw um, Towns as the primary face-up defender on Jokic, and then you saw Rudy Gobert as sort of the roamer um, on the back line that um, could kind of cheat off of Aaron Gordon a little bit. And so I think that when you're facing teams with one very capable offensive player in the front court and, and, and and the other one being someone that you don't have to worry about too much, they can move towns around and then have Gobert as more of this roaming type of a player and, and, and be able to cover for towns weaknesses or his, you know, slowness of foot or, or things like that a lot better. And I do think that just having them play minutes together and understand how to uh, account for each other and 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 where each other needs help, I think that's going to help out a lot too. So um, when you look at even the best defenses in the NBA, it's not they don't always have five top flight defenders on the court at all times. What they do have is a five man group that plays together and and covers for one another and so i think that's going to be more of the strategy that they use to uh to become a not just they were a top 10 defense last year they need to be a top five defense this year i think if they really want to get to where they want to get to which is not only getting to the playoffs but winning series as tim Connolly said at media day in terms of offense uh it is fascinating to think about it where everybody should be. Towns likes taking to the top of the key. Obviously, Edwards starts a lot of possessions there. Uh, and last year, early on at least, Gobert seemed to be in the way sometimes when Ant would drive. Uh, where would you put these guys offensively? Yeah, it's it's a it, it. I don't really know the easy answer for that question. What I do know, and I talked to Chris Finch about this uh, this last weekend, when Rudy Gobert first arrived via trade from Utah, 
what you heard the Timberwolves say a lot was, we think Rudy can do a lot more offensively than he did in Utah. Um, They looked at how he played with the French national team. They looked at kind of some of the um, things that they believe that Rudy could do. And, and I think that there was sort of an idea that we're going to unlock more offensive capabilities from Rudy Gobert. Um, And I asked Finch about that this weekend and, you know, he didn't, say that was the wrong idea but he did say that they were going to streamline rudy's offensive role this season more and i think it was kind of a um tacit acknowledgement that hey you know what maybe quinn snyder and that coaching staff in utah knew what they were doing with rudy um and 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 maybe there's more now an understanding of his limitations and and what happens because you saw, especially early in the season, a lot of involvement with Rudy post-ups at the top of the key, dribble handoffs, like all sorts of different things. And you could also see that Anthony Edwards didn't really know what to do with that. Um, I don't think that he ever felt comfortable early in the season with where he was going to be able to get to the rim with um, just playing off of Rudy Gobert offensively. Rudy, you know, has some of his issues catching the ball with, with turnovers and things like that. And so I think that the adjustment is to make Rudy more of a high level Jared Vanderbilt on offense put him in the dunker spot, let him run a bunch of, uh, set a bunch of screens, roll to the basket, do things like that, and just simplify everything for Rudy. And when you simplify things for Rudy, then it's easier for Anthony Edwards to recognize where he's going to be on the court and play off of that. And so then you add to that the element of Carl Anthony Towns being fully healthy, and I think probably coming in with the mindset of really being more of a high volume three point shooter, as we did see him do with the Dominican Republic team. Um, I think that there is a way to have this Edwards Gobert pick and roll and then towns kind of on the perimeter, but being aggressive, not just catch and shoot, but being aggressive with this shooting, um, and, and being able to kind of, uh, use his gravity to open things up for everyone else on the floor. And so there, there's going to be that kind of balance, I think, between those three. And then it becomes, do you, you know, is Towns fully involved enough? Does he have enough touches going to the basket and things like that to, to keep everyone in rhythm and happy? Um, but they can kind of work through those issues if they get the basic part of it down is that, you know, Rudy, we tried to make you, um, you know, the, a, a more fully formed offensive center. And that really didn't help anyone, including yourself. So let's simplify things and get back to the basics a little bit and then build out from there. You mentioned Towns was a little more subdued at uh, media day that sometimes he is. Do you think he uh, has been coached? Do you think he just kind of realized that he wasn't doing himself any favors? Do you think he's mad? What do you think is going on? Yeah, you know, you know, if, like I, th- I could see if a fan was watching his media interview and being like, "Oh man, he's he's not really happy." He's you know, a lot of the answers were shorter than normal. Um, they were much more vanilla in nature. 
Um, and, and then, then his usual, very colorful, flavorful answers that he puts out there in the media. And I don't think he's mad. I don't think he is, um, you know, unhappy with the team or, or anything like that. I think it is a reaction to the reaction of some of his podcast appearances this summer. Um, you know, he took a lot of criticism for, uh, the Patrick Beverly, what he said with the Patrick Beverly pod and what he said with Paul George pod. And you and I have talked about this, Jim. I think he's for whatever reason, um, his words are scrutinized and kind of jumped on as much as any other player in the league. I mean, whatever he says gets picked at and, 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 um, pulled apart and all of those things. Um, even more so than, than, than most players around the league. And so I think that he's just, it was just kind of him saying, all right, if that's what if you, you want me to just be boring, I'm going to be boring here today. And, um, you know, we, he and I have not talked about that. I have no idea if that's exactly what was in his mind, but that's the way that I interpreted it is, you know, Hey, you guys you know, in the media or in fan, in fan circles and, you know, across the league, Every time I say something, you just, you know, jump all over it. So here, I'm not, I'm just not going to say anything. Um, I hope that it's a short lived thing because I just think that, you know, Towns is who he is and he's a happy guy and he, he does get, um, a little, uh, over his skis sometimes when he gets excited and starts to do, um, doing interviews, but I enjoy that. I think he gives, that gives insight into what he's thinking and how he operates. And, you know, some people don't like it, but. I just say, hey, that's that's Carl Anthony Towns. But I think that was just a I, I think it was a reaction to the reaction that he felt this summer with some of his his statements in the media. And so he's just like, all right, I'm not going to say anything. See how you guys like that. Yeah, I, I really think that uh, to go back to another old wound, I think Jimmy Butler really destroyed his reputation with the national media and national fans. I think they just like they'd heard they had the perception that he was soft that it wasn't a winner. And when Jimmy basically said it, said those things, it just gave everybody permission to believe it. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because like I heard Austin rivers this summer uh, on Bill Simmons and he was right in terms of talking about how, you know, as a teammate, as a, as a person on the team, like cat is one of the kindest, you know, you know, most kind of fun loving dudes in a locker room. He wants to just be part of the team. He wants to, to have great relationships with everyone. Um, and you know, there is kind of this perception, I think from, you know, people outside the league that you have to be Kobe Bryant. You have to be this, have this killer mentality to, um, be successful in this league. And, um, I think that works for some people. I don't think it works for others. And I think that just, I think Towns uh, needs to just kind of embrace his own thing and, and, you know, and, and be who he is. And he, I think to, you know, as I've watched him for mo for the most part, even through the Jimmy Butler stuff, he remained himself in terms of not, bowing to public pressures, um, not trying to reinvent himself as this, you know, dark, um, uh, ultra serious, super intense dude. He, 
tried to show parts of his personality that are um, colorful, that are, you know, he likes to laugh and make jokes. And sometimes he says some things and you just like, you kind of like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. um, but he, that's just the way that he is. He's just, he is very much his mother's son in terms of their uh, Dominican heritage and how kind of boisterous and how loud um, they, that family is. And that's just who he is. And if he tries to become more of a sullen, um, all business dude, I don't know that that would come off as genuine. And, and so we'll see just how it goes. It could be just one, you know, one thing, it just him sending a message a little bit. And then he kind of goes back to kind of the, the, the person that he's always been, or maybe he has decided, which I couldn't really blame him for. Maybe he's decided that, Hey, look, I am not going to say much right now. I'm just going to let my actions and my, my words, uh, do the talking on the court. And, um, and and not give much, you know, to the media and to the fans that way, and and see if people absorb that in a different way. Maybe it maybe it's a it's a whole on strategy, or maybe it was just that day that he was just like, look, I'm not, I'm just not going to get into this stuff right now. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I just hope he doesn't go too far down the uh, I'm going to be boring hole because I actually like. I like athletes who express themselves. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to Jane McDaniel's, maybe a little Dame Lillard here. Do want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio, and we want to thank our longtime sponsor, one of our first sponsors on the network and on the John Krasinski Show, TSR Injury Law. It's very simple. If you're injured, call six one two TSR Time. They will take care of you. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win lots of cases. That's why they're such a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME. You'll speak with a lawyer, and they will point you in the right direction or help you themselves. 612-TSR-TIME. want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project, home, business, or both, from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com or more specifically, allenergysolar.com slash coach. Uh, John, tell us about Manscaped. Fresh ball fall is upon us and you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves of their trees, but you'll need... Manscapes help to get you ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using the code ATHLETIC for 20% off plus free shipping. It's time for nice flannels and cozy socks, but we can't forget to trim our balls. By now you've heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all, the Performance Package 4.0. It starts with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make raking the leaves a lot less painful. Once you've cleared the driveway, the performance package comes in hot with products to cool you down the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With the soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice. Fresh balls are the smell of the season. The Performance Package 4.0 caps it off with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. 
Uh, thanks to Manscaped. Thanks also to long, another longtime sponsor, somebody who's been with us forever. Tony Hoagland. He's my State Farm agent. He should be your State Farm agent. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Here's the deal. When you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889 a year. My agency is ready to help you combine home and auto and start saving today. Call 763-421-4900 to start saving. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so how are the uh, Jaden McDaniel negotiations or prospects for negotiations coming along? Um, well, so it's going to be it's it's interesting, Jim. There there there's still no deal in place. Uh, the, the start of the regular season is the deadline to get a deal done. Otherwise, he would play out this season of his contract and then be a restricted free agent next summer. So really, the Timberwolves do not have any concerns about losing Jaden McDaniel's. Um, you know, it, it, over the next couple of years, they can match any offer that comes his way. So if they want to keep Jade McDaniels, they can keep Jade McDaniels. But an interesting development this week has uh, came when the uh, San Antonio Spurs signed Devin Vassell to a contract extension. And the numbers on that extension are five years, $135 million. There are ex- incentives based in baked into the deal that could push it up to 146 million which is a little over 29 million a year and i think that's telling because one of the things that is complicated or or just made this uh this negotiation with jaden mcdaniels not a rubber stamp is that you know there are players like Anthony Edwards who got his max contract extension this summer. He has been an All Star. He's already had some amazing playoff performances. Like it was that was a no brainer. He's a max player. Here's your max contract. Let's be on our way with McDaniel's. This contract that they are basing or that they are negotiating on is really based a lot on the potential to come. For him, Jaden's had had a really good season last year. He shot forty percent from three, uh, played really good defense, uh, worked through some of his foul issues. Just got his and but he got his you know he injured his hand, was not able to be in the playoffs last season, um, and and still from a production numbers standpoint hasn't produced on the level like Anthony Edwards or other of those players have produced yet. So he's being paid less for what he's already accomplished and more trying to projecting out what he can become. Jaden said on um, media day that he thinks that he eventually has the potential to become a, you know, a Mikhail Bridges type or even more kind of like number one, number two, you know, offensive player on a good team. Uh, that's what he believes. And so I think that's where he's kind of looking for an area of being paid. Now, um, you look at Vassell, who's off to a really nice start to his career, but I, I think most people would say that Jade McDaniels has been a better player than Devin Vassell so far in uh, in in their young careers. Vassell's been a very a, a, a really good player, but I think that the long-term prospects of McDaniels as a top-flight defender, all-defense type of a player and maybe someone who eventually grows into a number two, three right next to Anthony Edwards um, and, and is kind of the new core of this Timberwolves roster four or five years down the road. 
um, might say that, hey, yeah, you know, Jaden's actually uh, skews with his potential to be even more impactful than Vassell. So that means that if if you're playing off of that, logic would dictate that you get paid a little bit more than Vassell does. And so does that mean, you know, $30 million a year? Does that mean more? Um, that's going to be the interesting thing here and how high are the willing uh, are the wolves willing to go given that they're already paying edwards towns gobert all this max money and the cap space is dissipating very very quickly but vassell's deal i think serves as some sort of a baseline now for mcdaniels and his negotiations going forward where that was not there just even last week in terms of how they're how it was going to affect the market. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, is everybody, everybody loves him as a player, but there's only so much money to go around. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, it, it all, when you, it, it, it's less about, I think for the Timberwolves, it's even less about what they think of Jaden McDaniels. They love Jaden McDaniels. They just, they want him to be here for a very long time, but it's just, how do they make that work with the rest of their players? And, I think that this year coming up even is kind of a referendum year in terms of, is this something where you try to keep going forward with this existing core and it's Edwards towns go bear, or do you go forward with McDaniels really kind of moving up the pecking order? And then maybe you eventually next summer or something have to look at moving one of your big guys to try and make room for that. Like that's, that is the question that I don't think they even have the answer to just yet. Um, but, you know, that's that's going to have to be solved one way or another here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hey, thanks to everyone for listening. One more topic for today. John, just tell me what you thought of the Dame Lillard deal and how it all came down. I mean, you know, it, it, it is a rarity and it's been kind of talked about a little bit around the league is that this is one of the very first times that a franchise that was being held over the barrel by a star player did not completely bow to that star player's wishes and surprising given what a an iconic figure Damian Lillard is in the Portland franchise's history uh but he really really just wanted to go to Miami and there were been many occasions where um franchises have have acquiesced and the nets sent kevin durant to phoenix suns uh the pelicans sent david anthony davis to the lakers like there's there's plenty of these these situations out there but for joe cronin the lead, the gm of the blazers to kind of hold firm and say no we are going to get the best deal for this franchise um i thought was wholly unique and what he has turned Damian Lillard into from an asset standpoint, the players that he's gotten back, the picks that he's gotten back with, I think still maybe another deal or two to pull off. Um, he really is maximizing the return for Damian Lillard. And so I thought the Blazers handled it incredibly well. Um, and also getting Damian Lillard to a place that is very, very good for him and his, for his career. It's not Miami. He doesn't have a beach out his back door. Um, but Milwaukee, is he's going to have a, as good or better a chance to win the championship there than he would have had he gone to Miami.
I just love it when, uh, you know, Midwestern teams have a chance to win it all. I mean, mm-hmm. non-Chicago Midwestern teams, Milwaukee has won it, uh, you know, and Denver's not Midwest, but same idea, not, not sure. the largest market, not the glorified media market, just a place you can go play good basketball. Absolutely. It's, I think it's great for the league, Jim. I really do. Like, um, I, I think to have some sort of parity and then get, yeah, have teams that are either, you know, not in glamour markets or in quote unquote, smaller markets, Milwaukee's a small market, um, to have them have the opportunity to have success and to get big star players is really important for the league because there are, there's a wide belief among some fans, um, in markets like Minnesota, like Milwaukee, like Indiana, like Oklahoma City, um, that the league is tilted toward the big guys and that there's a hopelessness sometimes that comes in there. So for something like this to play out and and for a team like the Bucks to win sort of the Game of Thrones style battle with Pat Riley in Miami and with Damian Lillard, um, I think I think it's a big benefit to the big picture of this league and the health of the league and overall. Good stuff from John. Next week, we'll talk more about the uh, Wolves trip to Abu Dhabi. We'll also talk about their depth. I'm really interested in some of their new additions and their bench. Thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to everyone who listens to TalkNorth.com. Check out TalkNorth.com for all the other shows you like. Reminder, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Or you can just go to TalkNorth.com and find all of our shows and our archives. Thanks again. Thank you.